Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Believe in Sports Business Los Angeles. I'm Fred Wallen. We'll be talking to Jeff Fellinser, a sports business professor at USC in about 60 seconds or so. So um, I, we taping this, we're taping this show at 5 o'clock on Monday, July 1. I come home about 3 o'clock this afternoon, two hours ago. And I sit down on the couch, and I want to find out uh, who else uh, signed with which team in the NBA. And I discover horrendously that uh, 27-year-old Tyler Skaggs of the Angels was found dead in his hotel room in Texas earlier on Monday. I don't know if it's a jinxed organization. I don't know exactly what it is. But uh, six or seven Angel players, while they're members of the team, have passed away since 1961 when the Angels joined the American League. And with that, Jeffrey Fellinser, um, everybody had to be shocked. He's 27 years old. I only met him once. Seemed like a very nice guy. Your comments. Yeah. Uh, first of all, it's great to be with you again, Fred. Uh, such sad news. Um, one of the first people that I texted was John Savage, the UCLA baseball coach, knowing uh, you know, his circle of friends and within the baseball world. And I said, I'm just stunned. And he just immediately wrote back just how sad he was. And, and I followed it and said, life is a gift. You have to savor every day. Um, it's pretty hard to process. This is a kid 10 years out of Santa Monica High School when he was a first-round draft pick, meaning his 10-year high school reunion yep. was probably taking place this summer. I mean, can you imagine that, Fred? What a, what a, what a fun uh, night that would have been for someone like Tyler Skaggs to be a big league pitcher and um, and all it took to get there is his mom was a, a teacher and coach at Santa Monica High School. She might still be there, Debbie. I'm not sure, but I, I talked to a couple of friends that that knew her. One that went to Sam, graduated from Sam, another went there for a while, and one of them said she was the best. So, you know, he he had he had real roots in 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 the West Side and and, and at Santa Monica High School. Also, the high school that produced the very first free agent draft pick of all time in '65, Rick Monday, and um, it's one of those stories that just touches everybody because, like you said, at 27, it's just it's just not something you ever expect. It's hard to process. It wasn't a car accident. It wasn't foul play. Apparently, uh, we'll find out more, but um, it really. A couple of nights ago, uh, I'm playing fantasy, and I'm playing Tyler Skaggs, and uh, thought he was going to pitch well, and he pitched well for four, and then got hit in, in the fifth, and uh, little did we know that that would be the last time he'd ever pitch again, and uh, totally shocked, um, unbelievable, and again, 10 years ago, Nick Adenhart in the car accident, uh, when we were much younger, uh, Jeff Bellinger, uh Mike Miley, the former LSU quarterback and angel shortstop right. for a year right. or two. Uh, gets in a car crash and he dies and there were three or four others one leukemia uh, it, it, it had you know I don't really believe in jinxes unless I'm playing poker but the point is six or seven I mean I don't know how many players in all the other teams combined have lost you know it's got to be a high percentage of all the other players that have died while they're playing Daryl Kiley of course Daryl Kyle of course but uh, Houston but what I'm saying is that uh, I don't believe in jinxes but uh, this is horrendous and uh Folks, um, as uh, as Jeff said, uh, you got to live every day because you don't know what you're going to have tomorrow. And uh, 
I apologize for having to open the show with this, but I don't think we'd be doing our job if we didn't. So um, nothing else matters in comparison, obviously, to this, but we're going to continue forward with uh, yesterday, Sunday, of course, uh, the first day of NBA free agency. And, uh, of course, big news uh, for the Nets versus the Knicks in New York. And, Jeff, I, I can get Channel uh, 4 NBC uh, here, and, and I watched it last night, and they did a survey of the people that were watching uh, NBC in New York, and like 80% of them said that they were Nets fans. Now, it's not going to be that way if the Clippers get Leonard, but uh, and it's not really that way in New York. The Knicks still would, would have the preponderance of uh, fans, no question about it, but the same thing could happen here if the Clippers get Leonard. Yeah. My, my gut feeling, Jeff, is he stays in Toronto, because I don't think well, I, I just think he's going to stay in Toronto where he can be the superstar that, that uh, he was last year. Where do you think uh, uh, Kawhi is going to end up? Well, I, I think if I absolutely had to make a choice, I'm going to say, I'm going to say the Clippers. Um, and I do see where you, you know, you draw the parallel between the Nets, Knicks, and and the Lakers, Clippers. Of course, the difference is that the, that the Lakers are are a lot better positioned as the as the dominant team in town with LeBron and Anthony Davis, even if they don't get Kawhi Leonard. And if they don't get Kawhi Leonard, the question is going to be, are there enough quality players to to uh, to to take that thirty plus million dollars the Lakers have to divvy it up to 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 round out the squad? You know, you can't afford. Both teams are in a in a bit of a bind. You can't. You can't commit that money. You can't chop it up and, and give it to other players until the big dogs make their decision. You know, in this case, it's now it's it's Kawhi. It's Kawhi or bust for the Lakers. And at least at least with the Clippers, you know, they they re-signed Patrick Beverly, which I think was a good move for them. And you know, the Clippers are prepared if they have to 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 hold out and wait to free agency next summer and continue to to build with this this scrappy core that they you know young core that they um uh that they ran with this year and especially towards the end of the year with Shea Gogas Alexander and Landry Shamit. I mean they got they got play from a lot of different young players, uh better play than they expected. And so they're I think they're a little better position. And with Kawhi, nobody really knows kind of what goes into his thought process. But the idea of a kind of a workmanlike team, young, not real flashy, very, very solid and strong management would seem to be pretty appealing to that, to his personality, to Kawhi's personality. That's, that's what I'm thinking may make the difference. Really, really strong management, an excellent coach in Doc Rivers, proven coach. Jerry West in the front office, Steve Ballmer, um, you know, progressive owner, uh, and, a, and and possibly a new arena on the way. It's a pretty good situation. Then again, what, would he want to? Uh, it's a pretty good situation. The idea of playing with LeBron and and Anthony Davis, if uh, if he's fine taking a, uh, a somewhat of a complimentary role. I don't think Kawhi will ever be reduced to just a a good piece on a team. He's too good for that. But, but nonetheless, I mean, not, 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 he wouldn't be counted on to be a number one. And which of those two things would appeal more to him? Um, 
you know, he'd be the star the Clippers would build around with, with still a lot of help around him. Um, that looks like it might be a little bit more appealing. Um, and that's just, that's my, that's my view from afar. I think he, I think he feels pretty strong about the idea of coming home. Though. Now he may delay coming home by a year or two and just stay in Toronto. Yes, that's possible. But I think he's, he's spent, he's had a good chunk of time in the league. And the idea is now it's, it's, he can pick where he wants to play. And I think he'd like to come home and play in Southern California. That's the voice of Jeff Bellinger, who teaches uh, sports business media at uh, USC. I'm Fred Wong. You're listening to Believe every week. Uh, you can email us at uh, sportsfred at AOL.com, sportsfred at AOL.com. Again, I think he's staying in Toronto, but between the Clippers and the Lakers, I really don't think there's a choice. Um, he doesn't want to be a complimentary guy after being the most valuable player in the playoffs. And he would be the third guy, obviously, for the Lakers. That's A and B, and you mentioned it. You've got management on one side, which, which is a positive thing. And on the other side, the Lakers, you've got a mismanagement in almost every possible way. And, uh, you know, Magic uh, resigned, and Jeannie doesn't even know about it. And uh, is Plinka backstabbing or not? And uh, these things aren't apparently going on or not apparently going on in the Clipper organization. So uh, between the Lakers and the Clippers, I I think it's uh, an obvious choice. The Clippers where he would be the number one guy. But as you said, there's a lot of young talent around him. And, you know, there's a point to be made too, you know, uh, historically. I mean, he wins uh, one year. He's in in Toronto one year and he wins the whole thing. And he comes to the Clippers and if they could win uh, in one year, I mean, he'd be coming sort of an idol, a historical idol as far as the NBA is concerned. So there's a chance of that. But my gut feeling is, and you said it too, he, I think he'll be coming home, but I just don't think it'll be this season. And, and we'll see how that works yeah. out. And uh, folks, again, yeah. you can e- you can email us at sportsfred at aol.com. We would love your uh, opinion as far as what you <laughs> think uh, might happen. But uh, if you're the Lakers right now, let's say you lose. Uh, let's say uh, he does not. Let's say he stays in Toronto or he goes to the Clippers. What do you do? Yeah, I mean, you're—it's <laughs> a legit question. I mean, they, like I said, they, the Lakers have 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 really have put all their eggs in that one basket, Kawhi's basket, right now. Um, and, you know, there 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 there's there are complementary players and pieces left out there, um, and the Lakers will scramble to, you know, make sure they have a, uh, you know, a competent starting lineup and. And, uh, you know, a couple of, uh, uh, you know, parts off the bench to, you know, to run with uh, LeBron and AD. And, you know, LeBron turns 35 in December, so that certainly has to be a consideration. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a tough spot. And, you know, and you, you mentioned at the start, uh, you mentioned the, the Nets and Knicks and situ- that situation. I've always believed that, that success for a professional sports organization starts at the top. I think you've got to have solid management, great management. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't find examples of organizations that manage to be successful in spite of the front office, but there are not that many of them. There really aren't. And, you know, you have this craziness in Madison Square Garden, and, and you have the, have the Nets just kind of quietly – trying to build something special with, with Sean Marks as a general manager um, out of Cal. 
uh, where he was a star basketball player there. Um, I'm impressed with how they've managed after that disastrous trade, uh, you know, which they gave up so many draft picks and potentially young talent for Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. And they've just rebounded nicely from that. And, and to get Kyrie to commit when he looked at both the Nets and, and Knicks and chose the Nets and, and uh, Kevin Durant follows, um, that's, uh, you know, to me, again, another reminder that um, it really does start at the top in pro sports. And uh, those organizations that are strong top down um, are usually the ones that, that went on the court or on the field. He's Jeff Bellinger. I am Fred Wallen. You're listening to Believe uh, right here on uh, Sports Biz Los Angeles. All right. When we left you last week, everybody, um, we weren't sure that Santa Anita would uh, get the Breeders' Cup. Um, they said yes. So in November, the Breeders' Cup will be coming to Santa Anita. But last week also, Governor Newsom has indicated that uh, he passed the rule, of executive order, and then some legislation where the California Racing Board now can tell a track in California to shut down. Before that, they could ask the track to shut down. Now they can tell the track to shut down. If you're a betting man, Jeff Bellinger, what do you think is going to happen between now and November? Well, uh, I'm, I'm really glad that legislation passed. I think it should be up to the, the, the state where the track uh, resides on um, whether or not that they're meeting the minimum standards. Um, they have to protect the, the animals, and um, they need to protect um, the people that work there and, and the fans. And, you know, you can't have, uh, let's hope in our lifetime, we never see anything close to what we, what we saw at Santa Anita over these past few months. Uh, so my guess is, knowing that the world will be watching, they'll take, they'll take the significant measures, whether that's um, having some, you know, in independent um, uh, board uh, overseeing how the, uh, the track is managed and what goes into, uh, you know, sort of the fine print on, um, on, on making sure that, the, that what is out there and what, where, where the horses are competing and training are beyond reproach. I mean, at a fair minimum, that has to happen, and um, and I think it, it, it you know they'll they will look. I think I mentioned this when we talked last week about a couple of people in the in the industry have, have really questioned some of the some of the uh, uh, you know the some of the the drugs and and um, you know other stimuli that are being used. Um, you know, for uh, on the horses during the uh, training process and the lead up to the races. I mean, that that has to be examined as well. I just think it, it's got to be, you know, a, a top to bottom, you know, complete start from scratch, and make sure that we're checking out at you know at at every single turn. Um, and I'm glad, I'm glad the state's involved. I think I think Santa Anita it will be better for them too and um you know we'll see there's a lot on the line here for them i think the future of the track is completely at stake and um i really i really hope that there's there's racing and the breeders cup was a sign that there's confidence that this can get turned around and and let's hope that it does 
I think, uh, I don't know if it showed confidence. I, I think they didn't want to tell the world, uh, <laughs> you know, give the world more bad news as far as horse racing is concerned. I think the average age going to the track now is like 50 or 55, something in that range. And as I said last week, and I've been doing these shows forever, there isn't, wasn't a bigger horse racing fanatic than me. And I'm saying at the yeah. age of five or six, my parents took me to Hollywood Park, okay? As, as a single guy, that was a great date all the time, Hollywood Park or Santa Anita. I'm going to say again, I actually scheduled my college classes around Santa Anita and Hollywood Park. I would take classes in the daytime, go to the track and come back at night and take a class or two. So this is no joke. So when, yeah. when Fred says he's totally turned off by racing, I, I think uh, the whole sport is in trouble. Right now, there's two weeks at uh, Los Alamitos, then the Del Mar meet, of course, and hope and pray that uh, nothing horrendous happens. But I, again, I don't think it's drugs. I think, honestly, the Stronics firing uh, the chief uh, superintendent as far as the track was concerned and everybody under him to save a few bucks, I think that's the difference. I think that's why 30 horses passed away. We're fortunate a jockey didn't die, you know, or yeah, get, get, get get paralyzed or yeah, something yeah. like that. I think it's on the Stronics. I don't believe... I don't believe I don't think they gave more drugs this year than they probably have every year is what I'm saying as far as trainers are concerned. I think it's the track. But anyways, uh, folks, again, email us, sportsfred at AOL.com. Hope and pray that everything goes well at Los Alamitos and uh, and, and Del Mar. And hope and pray that uh, Santa Anita fixes itself. And, and certainly I, I think I, it's the track. I'm with, you. Yeah, I'm with you, Fred. I grew up growing up in Long Beach, Los Alamitos. The <laughs> horse racing was, was, was very close by, so... Um, and it's amazing because we didn't hear, and of course there weren't as many outlets reporting on any kind of news compared to what it is like today, but, uh, I don't recall, I mean, it was so rare when you ever heard about a fatality at yeah. the track. That, yeah. that was one of those shocking things that you would hear about once in a, in a blue moon, almost like a player collapsing or something. I mean, it, I mean, maybe they, these things were happening and, and I just wasn't aware of them, but I think I would have been, or why that that's what lent a little more credence to me to uh, talking to somebody in the industry that mentioned the drugs. Like, why would this, why would this be happening in this kind of volume now? Why, Why wouldn't this, why wouldn't attract, I mean, it has to be something about training methods, maybe pushing harder, but that isn't actually the pushing harder plus drugs, but some aspect of, of the pressure to, to succeed and make money, because otherwise, why wouldn't we have had at least a handful of deaths that we can remember uh, over the years growing up with these great tracks around us like Los Alamitos and Santa Anita and Hollywood Park and Del Mar? Totally agree. Um, folks, so you're listening to Believe and uh, Sports Business Los Angeles. He's Jeff Fellinser, who teaches sports business media at USC. I'm Fred Wallen. I don't teach anything, uh, but I love doing these kind of shows, and I love sports business. Something that we a lot of people don't talk about, and, well, let's bring it up. I mean, Jeff, you're a sports media guy. Uh, last year, the Kings, the L.A. Kings, did not have a radio station in Los Angeles. They were just on an app. This year, they're going to be on KBC. KBC's ratings are point one. Um, uh, 0.01, excuse me. I mean, what I'm what I'm saying is, KBC, where it used to have fours, fives, and sixes, and I understand radio is different now. Now it's got a 0.01. Um, the point is, they have almost no listeners. Okay, you've got 
KLAC 570, the Dodger station. You got 710, the Angel Station, 830, sometimes the Angel Station. Together, Jeff, they have like a 1.3 or 1.4 every three months when uh, the Arbitrons come out. Why do these stations who are, who are carrying sports, why are the ratings so low? Uh, I think, Fred, it's just it's the options that people have. Let me give you an example. Um, I have satellite radio, and you know that it is like the cable TV packages for radio where you've got national shows you can listen to. True. You don't have you're – not, you're not just chained to your local um, – Sports Talk Radio, you can plug into the national scene. Um, you can you can listen to ESPN Sports Center or Fox shows. Um, if you want to listen to a comedy channel, if you want want to listen to a Broadway musical channel, you can. If you want, and this is a big one, Fred, if you want to listen to podcasts, and you can't believe how many of my students tell me about <laughs> podcasts. One of the reasons I was I was anxious to start my own and and, um, and really excited about the medium going forward. And they don't and, and, and your perception would be this generation is short attention span. They probably want little five, ten minute, you know, bits and pieces of show. No, they want forty five minutes, an hour, hour fifteen minutes of a podcast. Listen to it while they're working out, riding a bike, I mean, all these different things. So frankly it's it's just it's so much competition. All those apps all the social media platforms, those are all vying for people's attention. And it's just harder. Like, I drive a lot. So I'm right. the guy that still listens to a lot of sports on the radio. Okay. A lot. Like, I probably listen to as much, um, you know, as many baseball games the Dodgers are playing um, as, I, as I watch them on television. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm tuned in. But I've also got... A lot of choices, so I'm also plugging into into other things. And having grown up on radio like you, I don't. I have a, you know, I have a foundation built over the years. You know, a, another generation doesn't, so they're used to having all of these choices and the apps, and 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 getting onto the social platforms. And it's just hard to say, hey, over here on this AM station, you can listen to the broadcast while you're driving. Well, first of all, Brad, a lot of people use Uber. So they're not they're not turning in and, and turning on the radio. It's not their radio to turn on. So that's another thing. People aren't stuck in their cars as much. Okay, let me interrupt you. For, let me let me let me interrupt you for a second, Jeff. Let me just throw yeah, this yeah. At, let me throw this at you. Dodgers televise ten games on KTLA this year, maybe another twenty nationally. So thirty out of one hundred and sixty-two. Fifty thousand fans go to Dodger Stadium almost every game. They get near fourth. Four million. Okay, how come 570s ratings aren't through the roof at least the six months the Dodgers are playing? People can't watch it on TV 130 out of 160 times. How come those ratings aren't through the roof? A couple of reasons. One, because now to some extent, exactly what you you and I have talked about before that if you take this product away from them for long enough, that they'll 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 find other things to listen or watch. So they've, they've um, in, in some ways, they've tuned the Dodgers out to some extent. Um, just because they can't see, in, see the games on TV doesn't mean they're all turning on the radio. They're going to other things. I always bring up Netflix yeah. as well. So there, there, there are just so many other things vying for your attention. So 
that that's a big part of it to me is they've 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 just they've, they've gone elsewhere you know you put up a wall they've turned around and they've they found other things and that's that was always the danger you know you take the money and you say oh what a great deal <laughs> you, you know on your way to the bank and you got a big deposit to make well you know what you know be careful because you need to be always investing in the future yeah and then that's what i think it was so short-sighted this deal it's like well yeah but if if 70 percent of the people can't watch the product maybe they won't ever develop an they, they may never develop an interest in the product and so this is going to be felt down the road and i'm not surprised to hear that the ratings aren't great um at you know on am radio for the dodgers i i i think it's i think it's just way down there on the on the list of choices that most people will plug into now, especially a younger generation that's used to using their apps. And, and as I mentioned, uh, you know, the social platforms and, and the podcast, they're just not as likely to listen to a baseball game. They may, they may watch it, but if you take that away, I don't think there's a guarantee that they're listening to it. All right, what I promised you last week in our first program right here on Believe on Sports Business LA is that every week we'll talk about the Dodger blackout, and we've already a little bit talked about it, but I want to talk about it a little more because I want the Dodgers to hear this and understand how ridiculous, upsetting, and uh, out of this world, Vince Scully's last season doing the games a few years ago, what did we get? We didn't get many. At the end, they added a couple, I guess, to KTLA, but the point is, we deserve more. We deserve better. And there's no question about that. Rob Manfred, the commissioner of the uh, of Major League Baseball, gets credit uh, for moving the Yankees in Boston uh, over the weekend uh, to London. And great, fantastic. What? Why can't he tell the Dodgers, no, you work out a deal with Spectrum. You do something with Spectrum at this point, and you tell them, lower the price that you're charging we want our games back on TV or the Dodgers give back $2 billion of the $8 billion that Spectrum uh, is supposed to give them over 25 years and, and force the hand uh, of Spectrum one way or the other. What's a commissioner supposed to do if he's not supposed to allow the fans to watch their favorite team? And folks in Los Angeles, it's still, what, 70-30 Dodgers versus the Angels, something like that. And as we indicated, it's not going to be like that because you have a choice between 162 times of Mike Trout or uh, uh, 30 times of a uh, uh, Bellinger, you're going to end up an Angel fan. So how come Manfred can't step in? How come he doesn't step in? And how come he's not forced to step in? You know, it's funny, Fred. When we were growing up, you never had, and I mean never, with very, very rare late in the season of a pennant race exception, was did the Dodgers ever televise a home game? True. They were petrified at the idea that, that if, there was, if the game was on, if a home game was on, you would stay home. You wouldn't drive to the park to watch it. So it's funny. Now we live in an era where, the, where ownership of all the franchises and all the sports are fine with televising home games. They've come to accept the fact that there's more positive than negative. And now we can't, now we can't see the game. Most <laughs> people can't see the home. We, we, finally, we finally live to a place where they said, yes, we'll let you see the home games, but actually you, you can't see them or the road games if you're part of the 70%. <laughs> so, you know, I, we, you know what it did, John Wooden says, you know, that, you know not all, uh, uh, you, there, there can't be 
uh, progress um, without change, but not all change is progress. And we seem to have just really fallen short at a time when we should be just enjoying being a sports fan in an era when they televise home games. I just, you know, as far as the question about Rob Manfred stepping in, I think, I think it's probably the owners that the ones that employ the commissioner I don't think they want the commissioner in that role of stepping in on such a huge revenue-producing entity like media rights. I, I, I think the Dodgers would probably say, look, we were, we were mismanaged for so long, um, and we took so many steps back, this proud franchise, and people were, were speaking with their feet and staying away. Now that we've cut this, this phenomenal $8 billion deal, you know, it's um, – you got to trust us to get it right, um, Mr. Commissioner. We, we, you know, we can we can handle this. I agree with you. I would like to see the commissioner step in uh, when it seems like there's a real reason to. They've had years and years and years to get this thing worked out. So it it it's it's an inclusive deal, not exclusive of of 70 percent of the people in the market. Um, it needs to be inclusive. And I don't know how many conversations, what the nature of those conversations are like between Dodger management and the commissioner's office. I don't know if they've had it, but um, like you, I feel like it's just, uh, I think it's shameful and just egregious that the Dodgers have, have not somehow managed to step in and figure this thing out so that, so that more fans could could uh, enjoy the product because the Dodgers stand to benefit. I mean, it's, you know, again, we, you, you know, you want, you want generations being brought up on being able to watch Dodger baseball. And if they don't, then, you know, there's no guarantee that this, this windfall of, of uh, support that the Dodgers get in Southern California is going to continue. Uh, let me just add this uh, before we say goodbye right here on uh, Believe uh, Sports Business Los Angeles. Jeff Fellins are there. I'm Fred Wallen. In San Diego, for one year, Cox had some problems, and part of San Diego couldn't get the Padre games. In Houston, for one year, uh, you couldn't get uh, the Astro games. And part of New York, a couple years ago, could not get uh, uh, Sports New York and the Yankee games, just part of uh, New York uh, at that point. Uh, but it was one year. Are we are we on our sixth year or seventh year now of this situation with the Dodgers? We're talking six or seven years, Jeff. That's a major difference too. It sure is. It sure is. Um, you know, and I remember talking to a friend of mine who who has a, a relative that works for Directv a few years ago. I left Directv so I could get um, first the <laughs> Lakers, then the Dodgers, and then the Pac-12, and. Uh, we were always wondering why the DirecTV couldn't make a deal with with those with those teams, and you know my friend's relatives said, you know, appreciate your passion to me. He goes, there's just not enough other people like you, as many as you think, that are saying if you guys don't work out a deal to carry the games, then I'm leaving. Because I did, I went back to my local carrier, which was Spectrum, and I didn't have any reason to leave DirecTV. I was perfectly happy with directing, but I wanted to get the games. I can yeah. get the games now because I have that option. But yeah. the, point he made, the point he made was there are not enough people like you that are willing to walk from us. So 
people that have Sunday Ticket and other things at DirecTV and they like the DirecTV service, they're not willing to give it all up just to go get the Dodgers. And that, that's a big part of the problem, too. I was one of the first 1,000 subscribers to DirecTV in 1993. And uh, my wife wow. would, would kill me. Um, she loves the movies. DirecTV has more other stuff than Spectrum or any of the other ones or Dish or any of the other ones. But again, you're paying the price. We're paying $150 a month. And right. uh, that's, that's totally ridiculous. And we don't get the Dodgers, as you indicated. We don't get the Pac-12, USC and UCLA. Um, and it, it's quite upsetting. There's no question about that. And of course, uh, but you know, there was a time when when it was Time Warner. The Time Warner didn't carry uh, uh, the either the NFL Network or the MLB Network. I, I don't remember which one, but I know for a couple of years they couldn't negotiate right. a deal there. So I don't know what ends. Right. I think we're in last place, meaning the fans are in last place, and money talks and everything else walks. And Jeffrey, great job today, right here on Believe, and uh, we'll do it next week. Thank you very much. I look forward to it. Thanks so much, Fred. Jeffrey Fellinger of USC, a sports uh, business uh, professor there. I am Fred Wallen. Please email us, sportsfred at AOL.com, sportsfred at AOL.com. And please listen to Believe 24 hours a day. And please listen to Sports Business Los Angeles on Believe as often as you can. Again, email us, sportsfred at uh, AOL.com. Thank you, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next week right here on Sports Business Los Angeles. Bye. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.